Hello, Joel here. I've got a new book out. It's called Be Funny or Die. How comedy works and why it matters. And it's about how comedy works and why it matters. Why human beings tell jokes and then what that tells us about being human beings. So if you're a human being and you enjoy laughing and then want to know what the hell's going on with that, it's probably a pretty good book to read. It's called Be Funny or Die. It's in shops. You can buy it. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And welcome to Rule of Three, a podcast about comedy. I'm Joel Morris. I'm Jason Hazley. And as usual, we're joined by someone who makes comedy to talk about something funny that they love. By taking it apart, maybe we'll learn something about how comedy works. Or we'll just quote bits from it and giggle until we're finished. Both approaches are valid. Our special guest today is the magnificent Charlton Brooker. <laughs> Hello, Hello, Charlie. Hello, Charlie. <laughs> how are you? Yeah, guys. Nice. This is good. This is good. Like, obviously, people listening to this can't see this, but we're huddled around three... Are these called baffles? Yeah, little yeah. mic baffles. Yes. It's a bit strange. It's like... Uh, what I was saying earlier, it, it was like we're playing a futuristic game, but this is like being in a foxhole. <laughs> they do look like pieces of torture equipment as well, don't they? Yeah, they, they can yeah. close on you. spikes on them. If you swear, this will close on your face. Okay. Like an Iron Maiden. I'll bear that in mind. It's also making my eyes go a bit funny. You can look away from them. Close, okay. your, close your eyes while... Doing, All right. like, like a, a disapproving maiden aunt. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've been trying to get uh, this one running for ages, and you've been sort of dead busy doing Black Mirror and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we first suggested coming on, and you sort of, I know exactly what I'm going to do, and then you suggested a second option, which we're not doing today, which I keep thinking about because it's such a brilliant idea, which is you were going to do RoboCop. <laughs> yes. <laughs> RoboCop is a very funny film. Well, it, it, I just think that's a fascinating <laughs> thing to bring. I'm sort of immediately. I'm really looking forward to doing what we're doing today, but I'm kind of regretting we're not also doing RoboCop. Well, maybe we could do RoboCop. And I reference RoboCop a surprising amount in Black Mirror meetings and really? discussions. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of things I like about RoboCop. And, of course, it's, like, spiritual sequel, Starship Troopers. My immediate reaction was, oh, that's not thought of as a comedy movie. Mm-hmm. And then I suddenly thought, because obviously you started off doing comedy and you're known for comedy, and Black Mirror, people went, is that a comedy? And then I went, if you understand RoboCop is a thing you'd bring on this, yes. I think it completely recasts Black Mirror in that sort of Verhoeven dystopia thing. And I, I don't think I'd 
quite got that about Black Mirror before, how Robocop it was. It's very, it's it's sort of, I think it's because the 15-year-old me, I must have been 15 when I saw Robocop and I watched it about a thousand times. That was one, <laughs> it was one of those things that, it was one of the first things I had on video yeah. that I sort of, I can't remember if I, I think I must have bought it like secondhand from a video shop yeah. and I watched it again and again and again obsessively and I just love the tone of it. It's still now, the fake news reports in that still hold up, yeah. I think, as mm. funny and American strange news and the hasn't, adverts. hasn't changed enough. Pakistan is threatening my border. That's it, Buster. No more military aid. <laughs> Nuke em. Get them before they get you. Another quality home game from Butler Brothers. Three dead police officers, one critically injured. Police union leaders blame Omni Consumer Products, OCP, the firm which recently entered into a contract with the city to fund and run the Detroit Metropolitan Police Department. And which does actually, does segue neatly into what we are talking about today, because there's like a similarity there. It's a a parody and a pastiche. It Mm -hmm. understands the language of the things it's parodying really well. There are different ways of doing comedy. Mm-hmm. And doing and the same comic impulse can give you something absolutely ludicrous and farcical and blackadder, but mm-hmm. it can also give you something sort of dark and odd and questioning and troubling, like Black Mirror. Yes, and it sort of seems to be Robocop appears to be sort of this little sort of focal point in the middle of that. You go, ah, now I get it. Yeah, I think it's a comedy that people don't realise is a comedy, as is as is Starship. Troopers. Yeah. It's, it, there's a playful unpleasantness <laughs> at the heart, and a weirdness. There's like deeply weird things go on in Robocop. I hadn't thought about it. Now I wish I'd watched Robocop. <laughs> oh, sorry for I haven't seen Robocop in ages. Have you seen the remake? They, no, they, I they refuse to watch. And they, they look like a Power Ranger. Oh no, it's, it's kind of it's kind of cool. There's lots of good about it, but they do they take it quite seriously in the remake. Right. And what it means is that halfway through, you realise you're watching a disabled man recover. <laughs> <laughs> and because it's not got that fun and that blackness, right. you go, without the comedy in it, you mm. go, this is just a really injured man who's got prosthetics. That's a bit like, uh, what's the, the Dark Knight <laughs> movie where he's basically, Batman's just got a bad back for the whole <laughs> fucking film. It's just moaning, it's just going, oh, my back, oh, no, my back hurts, oh, boom, fear me. Lying down, it's a fucking, that's the most boring premise you could think of for a Batman Back-Man. film. Batman. Yeah. <laughs> Get up. <laughs> Prick, terrible. <laughs> Was but, it the Dark Knight Rises? Because he doesn't. He, fucking, he doesn't. He fucking doesn't. Exactly. He fucking sits there. Well, he. Oh God, it's boring. But it's, yeah, um, it's, it's when he's. Especially when you take these things top too seriously, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, it's possible without that lightness of tone. Everyone sort of forgets Black Mirror started off with. With Prime Minister, fucking I'll tell you, who doesn't thing. forget that the Americans don't they? No, because they quite often warn each other not to start with that one. Oh, um, really? Yeah, because well, it's so. I think if you've never seen Black Mirror before on Netflix, it defaults to starting with episode one of season four, which is one of our more recent ones, obviously. Yeah. And that's partly because you don't need to watch them in order, so you might as well start with a yeah. a, a new shiny one. Yeah, and also because I think Americans in particular don't always know quite how to react to the national anthem <laughs> and don't see the comedy in it at all quite really? often. I mean, it is a distur- it's a weird tone, yeah. that, that episode. They want me to have sex with a pig. Live on television this afternoon. But I think it, over here, I forget that when it went out, it was like 2011, people didn't know what it was because the the advertising campaign didn't yeah, tell you that yeah. the prime minister was going to be like it's fuck a pig or the princess does it didn't say that and there were really straight adverts that advertised it as a straight sort of political thriller yeah and so quite a lot of people tuned in initially 
<laughs> thinking this is going to be a gritty <laughs> like and then got in the first like eight minutes or something you were hit with that and then it cuts to a commercial break <laughs> and I think but the, but people sort of went oh right it's it's like that ha 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 right <laughs> like laughing out of relief yes so I think maybe one one of the things we sometimes get a criticism of which wounds me uh, on Black Mirror is when, is when people and it usually tends to be overseas viewers who maybe don't know the context of like me as a, with a comedy background and that sort of yeah. thing where they go it's a bit humorless they say, oh this is it's too earnest it's like too serious or when there's something else that comes out and they go oh this is like a funny Black Mirror and I'm like well I fucking pissed myself when we were making Black Mirror so what's wrong with you um, don't yeah. you remember that one of the reviews of A Touch of Cloth um, mm-hmm. I think it was in The Guardian and I think we all know who wrote it said it had too many jokes in it <laughs> people don't like that yeah I mean, so you can't get anything right, Charlie. No, <laughs> so either no jokes at all. I mean, there aren't really, and and sometimes we do. When when Black Mirror doesn't work, in my in my opinion, is when we it goes too earnest. Right, mm. it can go too earnest. But um, you can you can have too many jokes. I think I think it's possible to have too many jokes, but only if you're not enjoying the jokes. Yes, basically, yeah, if they're that's bad. True. There's there's some bits of the what we're going to do. Uh, I'm I'm acting like I can't say the name of what we're discussing today, even though and people listening the, to this, it will say yeah, it'll, it'll say. <laughs> I don't know why I... No, the rule is you mustn't mention it by name or a buzzer goes off and you lose 10 points. Can we see if we can get to the end without (laughs) mentioning what it is? It's like Macbeth. There's a a couple of elements in, in this that I find a little irritating... But like the um, favorite jokes, which I just think, oh, I wish that wasn't in it. But yeah. then it's that, but that particular element isn't for me. And there's about fifteen hundred different flavors of joke. Yeah. So I suppose in this. I suppose with with with, <laughs> I suppose with Black Mirror, you're talking about something where you either find the the general idea and the the tone again, like Robert Cop or something. You find the tone yeah. blackly comic. Yeah. That it's an idea taken. It's it's a comic technique to take an idea to exaggerated lengths well and quite often I suppose what we do on Black Mirror is we're spoofing a, a genre a National Anthem was very much written as when I was writing the script I was imagining it was an episode of 24 Right. So it was the, right. it's, it's sort of formatted like an episode of tw- I mean it's literally it starts with a terrible dilemma and I mean the one thing there isn't a hero character running around but other than that I was literally thinking in terms of there's a ticking clock there's like right. yeah. ad break every like 11 minutes and I sort of wrote it like that and so a lot of the language that the advisors to the prime minister are using is sort of slightly deliberately a little bit over the top like ultra serious yeah. sort of like yeah. you know um, That's quite a good way of doing a portmanteau series. You can see where yeah. you go, well, this one's the romantic one, this one's the thriller, this one's the adventure serial. What's whatever. annoying is that we keep going, oh, we haven't done a Western. Let's do a... Uh, oh, Westworld. Oh, <laughs> fuck. We did one that's like the, the uh, Star Trek episode, like USS Callister, which is set in space. And that started out because we were going to do... We wanted to do one that was based around a musical. Like really? that's, it, it, wow. It's evolved because I had thought... And I still think it's a good idea. Yeah. So I, I'm an asterisk. I'm copywriting this. Mm, yeah. uh, the idea originally was like well how could we do a musical episode or yeah. something like that how could we do that it was going to be like um a work bonding exercise teamwork exercise that yeah. what they would do is they would put people in virtual reality and they'd all have to reenact Greece the musical <laughs> it was going to be based around Greece, but people were going to be assigned random roles when they went in so you didn't know if you were going to be like John Travolta <laughs> or like someone in the background going shoot de wop like so you know so and you didn't know who everyone else was and somehow that that seemed a little bit high concept <laughs> 
<laughs> so it, and then it was like, well, what if it was Star Trek? Oh, that's a yeah. good idea. Yeah, it's all a bit. I lo- it looks mm. similar. There's all the same bright colours and things. Bright like colours. Yeah, you'd have to license all the songs. It would only really work if it was a very recognisable musical. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true. And then you're in Wright's Hill. Mm. Yeah. I suppose the good thing about doing Star Trek is you can do something that looks like Star Trek without it ever actually being Star Trek, and everyone gets the re- the references and the resonances. Yes, not that it is in any way Star Trek. Of course, it I mean obviously I can't. I mean, not, do nothing. I mean, not, after we did it, some people said that's like Star Trek, and I went, "What, really? You've famously never seen Star Trek? I've or never heard seen of it. Star Trek. I've never heard of Star Trek. <laughs> um, I didn't realise it was two words until recently. I thought it was. Start I thought it was one wreck. word. Yeah, um, I didn't know what it was, and I assumed it was a, about something completely different. I'm sure they're uh, fine. About in the wool project. industry. I'm sure, is there a wool industry? I don't know what I'm talking about. Apparently, wool shops are on the rise. Well, yeah. What you mean, rebelling? Yeah. <laughs> well, so that would be a nice. Re- I'd be into that rebellion. When I was growing up, there was a shop sort of near me that sold wool and computer games. Really? Yeah. Which which seems like an odd combination, but makes sense actually. Because people's parents were going in for the wool. <laughs> and their ah. kids would also go, oh, boring, the wool shop. Oh, wait a minute, it's got a, oh, Daily Thompson's Decathlon. Oh, um, so yeah, could, so it's could, actually clever. Crochet pixel graphics. Yes. They've got there's a similar link. There is a there is a real similarity. I don't think then people were into 8-bit, were they? They weren't, during the 8-bit yeah. graphic era, no one cared. They didn't realise you could take those little blocks and, turn them and into... put them somewhere else. It's basically mosaics, isn't well, it? It's something yeah. Kunk says, actually. Isn't it? Yeah, they're, they're basically yeah. they're all 8-bit graphics. 8-bit computer graphics. But the, um, that's something that I think Brian Eno said that, that. As soon as you... When you've got a piece of technology that's really frustrating that it's not very good, mm-hmm. you hate it. And then the moment it's superseded, you start romanticising it, like Super 8 film and Polaroid. Its limitations become really, really sexy. I spend quite a lot of time emulating old computer games, and a lot of that is making them look right, (laughs) which means emulating the look of a CRT (laughs) television on 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 a flat screen TV. And you can, that's a real rabbit hole. I've been spending a lot of time emulating old computer games and curating a sort of collection of these things and then realise this is basically the exact equivalent. I'm basically a middle-aged man with a railway set. Yeah, totally. It's exactly the same thing. And going, it's like recapturing some, not just, it's not actually about recapturing your youth, is it? It's about being a child god. Yeah, (laughs) I've got all the computer games. I've got my own arcade, and I don't have to pay. And they, I've got, I've got Golden Axe. I've got it in my house. I own. I don't want to play it. I don't. I don't play them. I don't play them. That's what's terrible. I don't play any of these fucking things. I just sort of look at them, and and they're never quite right. So I adjust them. It's like I'm a Fritzel or something, like controlling these fucking things. Or it's like I'm, bit, I'm Will Ferrell in the Lego movie. Yeah. That's the other thing I realised. Yeah. I'm like, stop it! Leave it alone! <laughs> it's perfect! You'll break it! You'll break it! Stop Don't enjoying it! Don't adjust the humbar! <laughs> Uh, it's, it's a sort of toxic nostalgia that would lead yeah. you... If you weren't doing this, you'd just start a political party and be dragging us back to, to the 1970s. Whereas so it's less dangerous than I'm that. What I'm doing is submerging myself in irrelevant, irrelevant fucking nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm ignoring... I've been ignoring the news. That's very I've been sensible. ignoring oh, the news. Because I'm not doing the wipe stuff yeah, at the moment. Yeah. I'm like, nice, I don't it? have to look at the news. Isn't it nice? So have you enjoyed the last couple of years? Um, I've loved not having to watch the news for a couple of yeah, years. Yeah, I really do like not having to watch the news. And when 
when I do watch the news, when I catch the news, it's a bit like a sort of horrible repressed memory. In the spirit of toxic nostalgia, let's yeah. just go back to when everything was all right and we really liked a film. <laughs> Which film did you really like? <laughs> uh, well, I, dis- I said that I wanted to talk about Airplane, which that would be a surprise to no one who's listening to this <laughs> yep. because they'll have seen yeah. that. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me sure. It's like I picked the wrong week to quit amphetamines. You have clearance, Clarence. Roger, Roger. What's our vector, Victor? I just want to tell you both good luck. We're all counting on you. I must have been, it came out, what, 1980? Yeah. yeah. So now I remember seeing it in the cinema. Really? Oh, really? I saw it in the cinema. Now, I'm not sure whether I saw it on its original release or not. I think it's only it was, a PG. You it's can a PG. go and see it. Yeah, so it's a bit think, saucy. I think it was, would that have meant it was an A at no. the time? Like A certificate? Because uh, they did, this was yeah, pre-PG. So there was yeah. like... I think you can go, yeah. if a grown-up goes with you, you're allowed yes. to go and see it. There was a cinema called the Corn Exchange in Wallingford, which was near where I grew up. I, I would see like, you know, for your eyes only. I yeah. It was probably the same mm. year. So you'd sort of see slightly saucy films starring <laughs> Roger Moore. And and then the, there were films where people would say shit. That's what yeah. I remember is that you could go and see a film and people would say shit and you'd chuckle a bit and it was a bit it was a, there was a frisson there was an excitable frisson throughout yeah. the cinema because there were children. Did it say it. that on the the thing at the front of the cinema this it week? Says, a film you, you, where the man says shit. Someone says shit. <laughs> Certificate um, A. <laughs> they say shit. Asshole is another thing that people could say a lot. Um, but anyway, so I remember going to see it and it being rapturously received by the audience like just re- I remember people applauding the, the end of the film and applauding some of the actors there's that bit at the end where it's a bit you have been watching yeah, yeah, they? Yeah. and individual cast members were being applauded wow. by the audience which <laughs> was something I'd never seen before and also I think it's probably the first time I had laughed in a cinema I right. imagine because so I must have been about nine or ten when I saw yeah, this film yeah. and I remember finding it really funny and I felt like I was seeing a sort of joke that I didn't associate with films yeah. and it was slightly naughty it was slightly grown up there were jokes I didn't understand but I sort of did understand <laughs> like the pilot being yeah. a paedophile <laughs> so I didn't understand quite what was going I knew it was weird and a little bit scary <laughs> Joey you like movies about gladiators that would have sailed right over my head but I sort of also knew what he was but getting was, at well, you know they, what their, their first draft line for that wasn't was, it um, have you ever seen a grown man's cock no have you ever sucked oh. a grown man's cock <laughs> Okay, right. That well, that would have been the, the that surely would have been the PG rating yeah, out the window. Yeah. <laughs> that joke is a really good clue as to how this film was made because yes. I imagine the line because it's based on a, a a film that already existed. It's based on a film yes. called Zero Hour, which they'd seen late night. They'd yeah. set a video to record loads of adverts because they were trying to make a movie out of old adverts mm-hmm. to write sketches about, and they caught this movie, an old sort of disaster movie, and they ended up having to buy the script for two thousand five hundred dollars. But what they're doing is they're talking over the old script like a bunch of mates who have had a bit too much to drink watching an old movie they're drawing dicks in yeah. the margins of the screen it's, yeah, it's very it's very like they're scribbling over it the teacher said something in assembly and you've turned to your mate and said what if he'd said cock yes it's that level of pure joke but that line about have you ever sucked a man's cock <laughs> comes off the line have you ever been in a cockpit before right. and I love the way you can see how their brains have gone <laughs> they've heard the word cock and like Beavis and Butthead gone <laughs> cock and then about four drafts down you get have you, do you like gladiator movies? 
Put yourself in this man's place. Aboard a transcontinental plane, suddenly half the passengers, including your own son, are struck by a paralyzing deadly illness. This is Captain Wilson and our first officer, Mr. Stewart, and this is Mr. Stryker and his son, Joey. Joey, here's something we give our special visitors. Would you like to have it? Thank you. Thanks a lot. You ever been in the cockpit before? No, sir. I've never been up in a plane before. You ever seen a grown man naked? It's like coming up with the best back of the class also, joke in that the world. Is a bit like every comedy writer's room I've ever been in, where the first <laughs> hour or yep. two yep. is like just people saying all the unbroadcastable things <laughs> yep. before settling into what you could actually say. Coughing up a furball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I mean, so that's a very good point because it has an authenticity to it. It feels like a proper disaster movie because it yeah, is yeah. one because yeah. they they literally took the skeleton for one yeah. and made it silly. I want the weather on every kind of landing field on their side of the mountains. I want the weather on every landing field this side of the mountains. Any place where there's a chance to land this plane. Any any place where there's a chance to land that plane. I just want to tell you both good luck. I'll keep your son with me. Thank you. Thanks, Doctor. I just want to tell you both good luck. We're all counting on you. And you can see that when they make yeah. Top Secret after this, that they really struggle because it's it's a parody about six different. Yes. It's a great movie, yeah. gag gag for gag, but it's not got the rewatchability of Airplane because it's not a proper design. You don't movie. know what it is from looking at the poster. It's top rock Secret, and roll, just, surf, war. No, don't know. And, I mean, it reminded me of because I when I was when I was growing up as a kid, there were thi- the things I would gravitate towards were things like the goodies yeah or i remember seeing end of part one yeah and then there would be repeats of python and yeah. stuff not the nine o'clock news and all of these things were parodies and they would break the fourth wall and they would do things they would cut to an ident or they would just sort of yeah. run the yeah. credits halfway through and they do all this anarchic stuff that i really loved the fact that they were messing around with the machine yeah. I was watching it yeah. on was really exciting. It's flattering so, to you. So we're going to keep breaking this yeah. and smashing it up. And so Airplane felt like a British comedy to yes. me in many ways. It felt like a British piss take of an American film <laughs> to me yeah. um, because it because it was a it was a type of humour I didn't I wasn't accustomed to seeing. From the pulsating pages of history, from the dark and furious days of Imperial Rome, we bring you a story that shattered the world. A tale so gripping that they said it could not be filmed. A unique event in cinema history. Julius Caesar on an Aldous lamp. I loved that growing up. And I used to get really annoyed when I watched a comedy film that wasn't like that. I liked Woody Allen and uh, early yeah. Woody Allen, Mel Brooks, mm-hmm. Mad Magazine. Yeah. And I liked all those sort of those teleprograms that would take the piss out of everything. And then when you watched a film that was actually about someone actually being in love with someone or doing an actual spy mission. I'm just saying to you when we were quite young, I went, this film's fun, it's not funny. Yeah. And there were lots of films that were, especially American films, that were fun, but not funny. Their primary purpose was to raise a, uh, a smile rather than just yes. keep doing jokes. And this was such an exciting thing to see because it had that take the money and run, uh, love and death, sleeper, every joke you can do. And then it broke the fourth wall as well, like it a was, sketch show. And it's interesting because it's they'd done the Kentucky Fried movie, hadn't they, yeah. beforehand, which yeah. I saw several years later yeah. on video, not knowing it was the airplane yeah. people. I haven't seen Kentucky Fried movie in many, many years. Neither have I. Not. What I do remember is last time I did watch it, which must have been about 15 years ago, it's lots of sketches and lots of parodies of different of commercials and trailers yeah. and stuff like this. Mm. Then it goes into a kung fu movie parody that lasts about 20 minutes, right. 25 minutes. And I remember the first time I watched the game, really frustrated, thinking, this is going on for fucking ages. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> and then the next... 
then watching it several years after that, realizing, oh, this is this is really this is really funny. They obviously realized, hang on a minute, we can parody a whole movie. That's what they ended up doing next. And you mentioned that they had set up a video recorder to record old commercials because they were going to do another Kentucky Fried. They movie wanted late night that. commercials because yeah. they were they were sort of Tim and Eric kind of thing. They wanted yeah. the shittiest, low budgetest commercials to take the piss out because there's no point taking the piss out of really slick ones. Yeah, so they'd leave the thing on going late at night, and then zero hour came. On. Yeah, and you can totally see what's so clever is and then just buying it and being able to remake it means you've got a structure so that all the anarchic stuff that's happening still is happening in a very rigid order mm. yeah. apart from the else and the stakes are very clear you've and seen you've, that you, movie before as well as you've an seen it so you don't need to sort of know it's interesting because I watched it again like at the weekend because yeah. I knew I was coming here so I watched we it again we warned you I did, I did my homework <laughs> yeah. and there's a lot of things that I didn't realise I don't know, but I often don't actually pay attention to what's happening in the plot of films. You know, you, you, like, but a lot of people don't. If you don't, don't need to, you don't... You don't sort of need to know. So I didn't really realise... Of course it makes sense, but I never thought about where there is that they're, they're landing. Like, I, they take off in LA and they land in Chicago. But I always assumed they were landing in the same airport that they took. For some reason, they never... Like, no, they land in Chicago. Because of course they do. They're in the air for hours. So they... But the, that, all of that sort of... So you don't need to know and they don't even bother making the Chicago airport it's the same yeah. apparently it's the same airport yeah. basically. It's a, you don't need to know all that stuff but the plot mechanics have been worked out were worked out years before by someone else yeah. someone we had on I think it was Rufus Jones who said there's a great thing in comedy action movies of any sort that a little bit of dialogue that's got the sort of feel or the chew of say bounty hunting or gangsters mm-hmm. or flying a plane a bit of dialogue that's got a bit of technicality you, you hear it as an audience and go oh they've got this yeah oh, it's okay they're looking off that I assume the plot's working I won't listen to it too hard because they've said something about bail bonds mm-hmm. so I'm assuming that the chase has got a reason yeah. or here you hear the stuff yes. that air traffic control dialogues all taken from zero hour so therefore you right. go they've got this and you don't ask any questions so then you can relax and just enjoy the jokes knowing that the vehicle is just travelling along on tracks quite happily yes. you don't worry about it it's an old fashioned film that they're parodying I yes. mean even then it mm. was an old fashioned film it's and 50s, the music right? and everything is sort of deliberately Elmer Bernstein they got him in and said write right. a B movie score don't yeah. write a cig- None of your good right. shit, they said. Write us a beam movie, and he just it's, collapsed it's laughing. really good, isn't it? The white zone is for immediate loading and unloading of passengers only. But it's, yeah. it's the oh, I assumed. You said I didn't. Know. I assumed it was an actual, like an old score that they'd taken. No, he's doing pastiches. He's, he's, he's playing the did. same game that they are. Right. Yeah. And apparently, he just couldn't stop laughing. He thought it was the funniest thing in the world. So right. they got someone in who had done serious movies, which is what on Touch of Cloth. Yeah. You got a crew who mm-hmm. made serious detective. Yes. shows because you want so we all did we all worked on Touch of Cloth yeah, yeah. which mm. is a it's a our naked gun uh, yeah. um, Abrams when I say our I don't mean Britain I'm no. not like claiming it for, <laughs> I'm saying literally yeah. the people in this room and we when we first were sort of discussing cloth I remember thinking this is a real tightrope because you've seen so many shit airplane yeah, attempts yeah. Yeah, basically yeah. where it's just not quite right or there'll be some good it's just it's a very delicate tuning. yeah and it's usually that it's too silly yeah. is, is is usually what's sort of going on. It's too silly or it's too crass or... Yeah. It breaks its own reality so you yeah. start worrying about the plot or and don't listen. Airplane is very clever. It looks exactly like... But it's also really stupid yeah. and yeah. crass as well. But it, it, it looks exactly like the thing it's parodying. It is the thing it's parodying because it doesn't break the rules 
too much. Yeah. It like there's a fundamental reality to what's going on. Which they are going to crash and die. They are going. They will die. Everyone on board that plane will die if 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 Stryker can't land yeah. the plane. Yeah. Um. So there's a. It's very clear. The stakes are very clear, and you understand that that could happen on some level. That makes the jokes funnier because you go. This is incredibly the, simple. Yeah. yeah. But, but yeah. what's good about the plot because it's on rails and you can follow it. There's a bit in it which I mean, remember we talked about when we we're doing cloth and we've talked about doing any plot for anything. Is there comes a point where people stop laughing. Mm-hmm. And even if you listen to the commentary on airplane, Zucker and Abrahams and start giggling and going, well, I hope everyone's enjoying all these jokes about right. an hour and ten, because there haven't been many jokes. Yeah. And we were talking about this this morning. So there's a bit where the jokes stop being fourth wall breaking. Right. And all the jokes in the actual, when they're trying to bring the plane down, the stakes are really high and the music's up. They mm. stop joking about it being a film. And everyone who's doing their, their silly lines, there are loads of jokes, but the jokes are all, I'd like you to know we're all thinking of you. But it's quite a high stakes line. Mm-hmm. And Robert Stack, there's a brilliant line. He says, should we leave the lights on on the runway? No that's exactly what they'll be expecting <laughs> which is a high stakes line but from a wrong movie but no one breaks the stakes for yes. about 10 minutes they don't do anything where it changes genre or anything they stay in a plane yes. and it's really clever because you go well you must have they did 30 drafts of this script and right. they edited it so well they've taken out all the jokes that stop the audience being excited but they left in just enough jokes for you to know it's still a stupid film it's so really it's clever felt yeah, basically yeah. and also of course there's the form you know, there's a lot of attention to detail in, in the form and then the cast were all recognisable. Even to me, I think my memory is that even me, when I was when I first saw this, sort of recognised quite a few of these people <laughs> yeah, yeah. as serious people. I must have seen like on BBC Two in the afternoon in an old black and white yeah, movie, yeah. being bloody serious. And <laughs> or they, Lloyd Bridges in Mission Impossible. Or yes, something. yeah, they play it all with such a straight. Bat. They've got a sort of, I suppose as a kid, I would have recognised them as sort of almost an Adam Westy sort of Batman yes. cast. Mm. They are high stakes actors mm. who are coming to mess about, but they, they don't even camp it up to that degree. But I mm. always like that straight bat that Shatner and Adam West played. You'd recognise them from, actually, you're right, Mission Impossible action stuff you watch as a kid. Yeah. Did you, I, I just, little sidebar. Yeah. I didn't know that Batman was a, was ridiculous when I was a child. No, neither did I. I thought it was really... <laughs> none of the jokes landed with me, as in I just sort of accepted. There it was works the, on two well, registers. The shark repellent bat spray. Of yeah. I remember thinking, that's a bit ridiculous, but thinking, yeah. bloody, oh, that's a bit embarrassing for Maybe the Batman th- film. They didn't know that that's... that's <laughs> God, that's a convenient plot <laughs> device, isn't it? Fucking idiots. Shark repellent bat spray. They think I'm swallowing that. But oh, no, you're right in that it's... Because, I think that's because that was too... That was played so straight. I yeah. didn't under, My yeah. brain couldn't process it as a child. Child. You've definitely seen these actors doing high-stakes drama in a thing your dad was watching or mm, whatever yeah. on a Sunday afternoon. Two more minutes. Particularly miles, of course. That's impossible. They're on instruments. And you know that they will have been laughing when they were filming it. I mean, it's interesting that we... So when we did cloth that was so we tried to slavishly ape a lot yeah. of the things they did the the formula that they used in in airplane yeah so what was the recipe so they used an existing thing so for the first one we got a sort of existing plot Bought, uh, from boris starling boris starling it was a messiah so messiah which was this yes that um miniseries with ken stott yeah which yeah. was like seven so yeah. it's incredibly depressing and bleak and hard. <laughs> yeah. There's a seven-style serial artisan killer going around. <laughs> I think it was the storyline for Messiah 4. Yeah. And it was about somebody bumping off members of a jury, basically. Yes. Yeah. And so we, yes, yeah, so we took that plot and my memory is it was more the plot than a full script. It was, it I meant, remember seeing it. It was like a four-page document, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, which, which sort of outlined... And we changed so you could hit the, the bits. bits. But, but it was, I remember it was being... 
do you remember this? Do you remember like me constantly going Taliban? This we've got to be. I'm, we've got to be Taliban about this, which basically just means it can't get too stupid. Yeah. So it's still got to be basically a storyline about murders re- revolving around a jury and the method of murder shouldn't be too stupid. Like yeah. it should be quite grim. It should be the because when you watch these shows, they're really enjoying how bleak and horrible the deaths are. Yeah. Well, it was it was, it was a big mm. lesson for us because we came on board uh, Cloth One sort of partway through. I think you mm. and Dan Meyer had done mm-hmm. a lot of the work on it before. And we came on quite late because we'd been working at the BBC on an almost identical show in a neighbouring office. And our one, <laughs> we'd said, oh, we'll make it We'll make it slightly more, it was like a cracker, tagger mm-hmm. kind of thing. But we'll make it a little bit lighter because it was a half-hour mm-hmm. sitcom version of it. And we made it a series of ritual murders in the marmalade industry. Right. And every time we did a, a pass on it, we went, we can't bring the stakes up enough because even though people were really being killed, and we worked that out, mm-hmm. it was still just slightly too funny. And when we came on Cloth, went, the brilliant thing with this is that the joke is that everything in it is very, very played straight. And mm-hmm. on top of which you can lay a load of absolute nonsense yes. as long as people are really getting killed and people it's a real really jury. People are getting killed in horrible ways yeah. and that the joke in a way there is that the show is enjoying <laughs> that it's horrible because yeah. that's sort of what they do isn't but it? That's, that's the that's totally airplane because when they got mm. they said the, the key actor to get in was Robert Stack yeah. who plays the, the pilot who's in air traffic control mm-hmm. the guy with the two sets of sunglasses yeah. Yeah. Um, who played a pilot in To Be or Not To Be which we watched with Paul King oh, recently right. yeah he's obviously played pilots before he's very funny mm. they got him in because he was amazing at doing this very high stakes dialogue yes and they said he was the once they got him in he set the tone for all the other actors to, co- to copy he mm. got the joke because he'd been in comedies with Jack Benny and things before. But he also was very good at taking everything very seriously. Yes. And when we did Cloth, like John Hanna, who played like, it was just a a natural at being incredibly intense. (laughs) And total conviction, which is the other thing. Do you remember Jim who directed it? He used to shout before every single take, stop giggling everyone, we're going to win a fucking BAFTA. (laughs) And that would get John in the mood. I remember him saying, like, there was a a scene where they go in to look at the shrine of Todd Carty. Yes. (laughs) And he was, he was like saying to them, you're going, it's child murder. You're watching, it's a terrible, you're looking at a terrible shrine of murdered children. It's serious, ultra dark. Yes, exactly that. It's BBC One, 9pm on a Sunday. It's, it's Red, red Riding. Yeah, it's red Riding, yeah. serious. New blood. Yes, sir. Question, murder's a lot like sex. Why? Because there's nothing worse than walking in on your parents doing it. Because some people are better at it than others. Because some people find it easier in the dark. OK, describe the scene. Unshaven, clothes on backwards. He's on his stomach. They don't always land the right way up. Right. Roll him. God. He looks just like you. It's my brother. Your brother? My brother. His brother? His brother. Your brother? My brother. But um. also, but John, I remember being on set and talking to uh, mm. Johnny and Saran, and both of them said, we haven't got a fucking clue if this is funny or not, what we're doing, because we we're not giving comic yes. performances. We don't know whether this is going to end up funny. Well, In the same airplane. way that the actors said on Airplane, didn't yeah. they? Lloyd Bridges Lloyd was Bridges, worried about it, and he said, I don't know where the joke is, Bobby, to right. Robert Stack. Robert Stack said, laughed and went, we're the joke, Lloyd. Right. <laughs> Which is really Which nice. sums it up. That, and, and Well, another thing we used to say on cloth was you haven't noticed it's the wrong script. Yes. It's like, so you're, this is series five of Touch of Cloth, yeah. the very hard-hitting, serious police drama, but the wrong script has arrived yeah. and no one has noticed yeah. that it's a prank. No one here is in on the joke at all. And that, and then... And you're then, a machine, and then you sort of got, nothing yeah. can stop the factory. Yeah. Well, there's a feeling of that in Airplane, where they, they cast 
ask the people who would be in it. Yes. In. There's a lovely story about Leslie Nielsen's agent getting a call saying they'd like him to be in it. He'd mainly done straight roles mm-hmm. before. And he said, so when are you filming? Tomorrow. And they went, no, no, in a couple of months. They went, no one's ever phoned Leslie this early. He was always the last minute replacement in things. And he was so <laughs> flattered to have been phoned with a couple of weeks notice. <laughs> When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. He is brilliant in it. It's interesting that in Naked Gun he starts gurning, basically. Yeah. That he starts ignoring the thing that made him brilliant. In yeah. I mean, not entirely, because he's still, you know, he's still... We watched yeah. Police Squad and then watched mm. Naked Gun when we were doing Cloth. And in yeah. Police Squad, he's a serious cop. He's the yeah. best cop in the business. And when you watch Naked Gun, he's Cluzo. He's a, yeah. he's a clown. And they, they know he's an idiot. Lots of pratfalls and things, which I suppose makes it more international and Well, they cut filmic. to people. They do that thing, which they do a little bit. They do it occasionally in Airplane. But I guess maybe they get away with it because it it's becomes the exception that proves the rule rather than a new mm. rule, which is where they'll cut to somebody being bemused by the silliness of something that yeah. just happened. They occasionally allow people in the film to acknowledge that it's stupid. And yeah. they do that a lot more in, like, The Naked Gun. Yeah. Like, there'll be people, yeah. you know, he'll say something crass or idiotic and it'll cut to somebody sort of pulling a face. Well, like. it's like Funny Men and Straight Men, but the whole point yeah. in Airplane is that everyone's a straight man. Yeah. Apart from Steven Strucker, the guy in the air, oh. the air traffic control, oh. who's, well, now, whose performance is from a different film. Well, that's the, now that, so he is the one that annoyed me. This weather bulletin says came off the wire. Johnny, what can you make out of this? This? Well, I can make cap, or a brooch, or pterodactyl. Um, Oh, really? Yeah. Now, now... Can you two fight? Because Now I'm more... Well, now... (laughs) Well, okay, this is good to disagree. But now, quite clearly, when I first saw Airplane, maybe this is partly because I saw it in a cinema, uh, that people were really laughing at him so he's Johnny the crazy guy yeah, the flight control in the, in, yeah. the, in the air traffic control who's, who says crazy stuff 
who is completely in a different film. He's in a totally different film. They got him from their sketch show. Yes. And they just liked him. He was just a very silly, big, broad performer. Mm. And in I've got the script. I was looking at the script while watching the film the other day. Mm. He is, first of all, he's not called Johnny in the script. He's called Eddie. Secondly, he's got hardly any lines. Right. And all the stuff that Stephen Stucker is doing in this film, he threw in. Right. So he's not even working from the script. So he's, he's subverting <laughs> a subversive film yeah. from the inside. But also, what I like about him is that you were talking, you mentioned jokes that you don't get. There is the line, and Leon's getting larger. Yes. I think about that line at least once a week because I've got no idea why it's funny. The fog is getting thicker. And Leon's getting larger. Well, weirdly, you see, this is the thing. So when I first... When I first saw it, I remember people really laughing at him and me being a bit annoyed by his yeah. presence and thinking... That's justifiable. Thinking he's breaking it. Yeah. He's, he's spo- what I like about this is, on some level as a child, I was enjoying the yeah. fact that the film was just a sustained... Do you know what I mean? It was, it was, yeah. it was very straight. It was, it was funny deadpan. because it was straight. Yes. And then because he knew, he was so stupid, it was annoying me. And it was annoying me that he was getting laughs. Yeah. <laughs> like I was quite cross He's not it. playing the game. And I thought this is... A, that, uh, he's spoiling it. And I held on to that thought for many many years when I watched it this weekend Leon's getting larger made me laugh <laughs> and also Clarence Over's wife who shows up who is sleeping with a horse yes <laughs> when they wake her up it's, well, it's worth listening to the uh, director's commentary on that because they go how do they get a horse to lie down it's well, <laughs> <somewhere laughs> just the right time like it's getting up for it's a coffee it's not a horse um, like it's woken up and needs a shit um, but uh, yeah. she's called into the air traffic control to stand there and look distraught and Johnny Stephen Stucker yeah. Yeah. just goes oh where did you get that dress <laughs> awful like, in a way that really made me laugh oh. this time but I think um, by that point in the film you can watch it the sort of film structurally it's got the structure of a disaster movie mm-hmm. but also the way it lets its jokes drop out they change his tone throughout so yeah. you get to what by the time that the air traffic control turns up you'll accept Stephen Stucker because they've said the rules are this is really solid and then obviously they pull him out mm. at the moment when you take it seriously they're quite clever well, at you, putting in you say that but I didn't accept him oh, I didn't accept yeah, him I didn't accept him. I did, now I accept him yeah. but I don't know if I accept him now because I didn't like him and now I've mellowed it's like getting into a favourite track Softer. on an album you didn't like before. Yeah, it's like, oh, track. actually, now I see what he's doing. Yeah. See, now I actually appreciate what he's doing. It's cloning. Because, it was pure uh, cloning. Was, uh, pure before, cloning. I guess I was... Uh, yeah, uh, why am I talking like that? Yeah. But recently, you know, like the comedy nerd voice that people did in yeah. the 80s, like, oh, hello, I'm a nerd. Well, yes, I've, decided, I've decided that's funny again. <laughs> right, should we do the rest of this podcast like I that? Keep doing, I keep going, oh, well, of course, if you are. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just because I'm old. And, and, and your mind's going. And doing the slightly... Uh, that one. doing that one going I think you'll find these are my own the, shoes I've uh, decided that's funny have you yeah so, you know it was the announcer the 80s sketch of announcer voice that used to be well the train now arriving at platform four <laughs> is the you know that you heard in every sketch yeah. I reckon that's do a comeback as well. <laughs> um, it should be in the back of the paper next to the weather. These yeah. voices are now back in. Which and that does relate to where because I I did so much research. I actually yeah. read the trivia page on oh, IMDb good. for oh, this. Well done. And so, did you know? Ooh. Did you know that this is like a fallback point I'm introducing? Did you know? Did you need a jingle? Yeah. Can I pause for you to put a jingle in? I'll put some music behind okay, this. Put a jingle in now. Charlie's Fancy Facts. Okay, so did you know? That 
that um, the announcers at the start going, the white zone is for yeah. whatever it is, are the actual announcers from Los Angeles Airport. Oh, the really? That's the attention to detail. They went and hired oh the God. people who actually did the actual <laughs> announcing at the airport. Charlie's Facts and Facts. That's to how do, you it. do it. And that's, again, that's like... That's one casting of my, Leslie Nielsen. That's casting the right casting guys. The, and one of my pet hates when you... When you look at the, one of or one of my obsessions when we're making things is that it's got to look. Or th- I hate it if like a, a a newspaper front page doesn't look yes. right. The font isn't quite right. Or like yeah, it takes yeah. you out of things. Or, or when you've got a reporter in something who doesn't have the intonation of a real reporter, yeah, yeah. so it's better to hire a real reporter yeah. to do it and ask them not to act. It's almost like supporting. Buttresses. Mm. The reality is holding in nine places, mm. so you can break it in one. What's strange as well is I just what you were, I'm just thinking about what you were saying about top secret, yeah. and that the problem with that is that you don't quite know what it is, yeah. basically. Which is true. It's like it's all over the place. But the it's jokes in top War secret II. might even be better than an airplane. Yeah, it's really funny. But you sort of I remember watch. I saw that in the in the cinema as well, and I don't think I was old enough to see it. Lucky bugger. Um, I think I I seem to remember that was the first film I snuck in to see. Wow. That, um, I haven't seen Top Secret in many years, mm. but is that the one with the visual gag where the helicopter flies behind the sun? No, that's Hot Shots Part Dirt. I've Thank never you. seen Hot which, Shots Which is basically, it's okay, but the last joke where a helicopter goes off into the sunset and flies behind the sun <laughs> is one of my favourite jokes <laughs> in any medium. That should be in the Smithsonian. <laughs> God, I haven't. I've never seen that one. Because okay. I assumed they got shit after sort of Top well, Secret. They still basically. do with the occasional joke. But anyway, Top, oh, Secret. Top, Top Secret's, Secret's got, got the binocular the, shot, hasn't it? The shot. binoculars, yeah. Guard falling off the thing. walks over there. Over the guard falls on the battlements and shatters. Yeah. Yep. Peter Cushing with underwater the big, fight. Yep. The underwater yep. western fight. Big uh, yep. magnifying glass. Big telephone yep. in the foreground. People Backward nick scene. Yeah, it's full of yes. great jokes. And yeah. Val Kilmer's great. It's a very very good film. But um, but, but you don't know what it is yeah. now. So when I was watching Airplay, I realised what's odd is that the the structure is so familiar and so simple and yet so rigid that you don't notice that actually it goes all over the fucking yeah, place. Yeah. Yeah. Like it is a sketch show, basically. So so the whole sequence, the Saturday Night Fever yeah. from here to a ter- what is that? That's yeah. straight out of Top Secret. That yeah. whole sequence is I couldn't tell you what that is. It's like, like they do a thing with sort of tribesmen, which I don't know where that's come from. Yes, that I'd for, totally forgotten about that. That's well, a, she's having a Tupperware party. Yeah. Oh, Saturday Night Fever, by the way, a great bit of trivia. That is ten percent faster than the actual song. I they it had to ask weird. permission from the Bee Gees to make them higher. <laughs> I didn't go there that night to fall in love. I just dropped in for a couple of drinks. But suddenly, there she was. I showed that sequence to my kids yeah, right. because I thought I can show them this. Yeah. They're like six and five at the moment, and they really laughed at the bit where Julie Haggerty, 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 is dancing, and the bloke she's dancing with gets knifed in the back. Yeah. And he start, he, I remember, <laughs> yes. I remember that being. I was pleased to see them laughing at that because I remember as a kid thinking that's a really good old-fashioned gag, yeah. but it's also nasty. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it's a man. Basically, in agony, dying, trying to indicate that he's been stabbed in the back, and 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 the person he's dancing with thinking it's a disco move that she must replicate. <laughs> well, there's, there's a little edge of sort of violence in it that's very very funny. I was re, I rewound to rewatch, you know, the slapping the hysterical woman scene where yes. they queue yes. up to slap her, yes. and Leslie Nielsen does too. When someone says, "Sorry, it's my go," he, he gets, gets in one extra, extra slap. <laughs> that's really <laughs> funny. That's like, so yes, that's so that's really good. <laughs> if, if I have to go, quick, one more. But it's because, but, but so yes, yeah, so there's the the, the whole 
all from here to Twitter, whatever you call the Saturday Night Fever section, yeah. which yeah. is basically top secret for five minutes or whatever. Yeah. And then, yes, the, the I'd totally forgotten about the bit where they go, in, yeah, where they're suddenly in sort of pith helmets, are yeah. they? Like explorers. Yeah. 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 Totally forgotten about that. But there's lots of sections as well where it's, which are just airport gags. Yeah, yeah. That they've just randomly dropped it. So there's that bit where there's like people going down a luggage yeah, yeah. thing, yes. which just occurs randomly at one point. <laughs> and they must have just got all this stuff and they thought, well, where will this go? There's a lot of stuff like that. I mean, Americans have a lot of stuff generally about airports. Don't they? It's like thinking, a stand-up routine, isn't it? Well, I was thinking this, that we don't, I guess as Brits, we don't go to the airport as often. Or yeah. certainly in the 70s and 80s, we probably didn't. Whereas I, they're always doing fucking jokes about airports because they yeah. use them like buses, don't it's they? It's a perfect example of one of those films you saw as a kid. Hmm. And I hadn't seen a disaster movie. I certainly hadn't been to an airport by that point. And I think I learned about airports from this film. From airplane. Yeah. You're fucked. Then. I know. Like, I had seen, I believe... In the same cinema that I saw Airplane, I saw The Towering Inferno. Right. Now, that must have been a re-release. And The Towering Inferno in the cinema was one of the... Fun- was, was an absolute defining moment in my life. <laughs> and I, I think I'd seen that by the time I'd seen Airplane. So you knew the rules roughly for a disaster I movie. Think so. And I used to really love disaster movies when I was younger. They'd show, they were, they'd show them a lot, wouldn't they, in the sort of 80s on yeah. TV. They'd show, like, Earthquake. Because if they, they get a lot yeah. of star power that way, you put it in the Inferno TV times and you put... One. Telly Savalas and Gene Hackman are in it. But there's a, an odd relationship with this where you watch this and it's got, because this plays a straight bat, it immediately reminds you of other films you've seen, like whether yeah. it's black and white movies in the afternoon or, or disaster movies. And it doesn't remind you of other 70s comedies very much. No. Because the interesting thing about the production of this is the original studio they went to wanted to cast it with exactly who you'd expect. Right. So they wanted Bill Murray in yeah. it. I think one wanted Dom DeLuise to play the Leslie Nielsen part. Gotcha. And you suddenly get this vision of a cannonball rum version of this that's mm. all antic and manic. Mm. And that's exactly what comedies were like mm-hmm. at this point. What feels great about it is that it's sort of brown and a bit hard-edged and even though they're being really silly, it's against this very formal, very austere... Apparently, they used, they made it by taking the VHS of Zero Hour mm. down to the set and looking at it and just copying the lighting, which made it affordable because that was a cheap movie, so they could just yeah. light it the same way. But Directorially, they... everyone's in rigid lines. Yeah. It's the first film they've ever directed. So if you look at it, as a piece of comedy staging, mm-hmm. everyone's always sitting next to each other, yeah. which is great for comedy because everyone's faces. They're all in rows, and then when they're in the front of the plane, they're in rows, and then the air traffic control, they're in rows. It's a great way of accidentally simply directing a movie that looks quite austere. It's not full of manic jumping around. It's no. great. And manic jumping around works if in a comedy of this type if the thing you're mocking is manic and jumping around yeah, and you yeah. take the piss out of it. Like that, have you seen the clip of Liam Neeson jumping over a fence? Have you seen that from <laughs> no. Taken? There's a clip of Liam Neeson jumping over a fence from Taken that uses something like 46 edits in five seconds or something. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure I must be exaggerating, but it's like an insane, it's worth having a look at. It's, it's like a textbook example of him, he's jumping over a fence, that's all he's yeah. doing, but they've really tried hard to make it very exciting and they use way too many <laughs> <laughs> you Google it, so, so but so, and I can imagine parodying something where you kind of do that, but then you'd you'd have to understand that that's what you were parodying. Yeah. And so Jim, when we were doing Touch of Cloth, he would sometimes bring in. He, there were things he wanted to do, like so, and he got better and better at doing it. Where he wanted to do things that were all in one long shot, steady because they would yeah. do a sort of slightly talks. showing off bit. There's one bit in the first cloth where you, I actually get sort of motion sickness when I'm watching it. It goes round and, round and round and round and round and fucking round and, and like there's a point at which it actually is really uncomfortable 
I know what I was going to say, which is when, just when you were saying about how it didn't feel like other films from the 70s. So I recently watched, there's a film on Netflix, which is about the guy who founded National Lampoon. Doug something. Should we look it up? And then what we'll do? Should we look it up? We'll sound really authoritative. Hang on. By looking it up. By looking it up. So I was watching this film on Netflix about Doug Kenny. Uh, I didn't Google that. I just yeah. knew it. Um, and uh, he's the guy, one of the co-founders of National Lampoon. And there's a film about him. I found the character a bit obnoxious, but there's a good bit in it where he's made Animal House mm -hmm. and it's been a massive hit and he's taken loads of cocaine and like gone off the rails. And then he gets very cocky and he starts making Caddyshack. And they, they're making Caddyshack with Bill Murray. Mm. And while they're editing it, or something like that, he goes to the cinema to watch Airplane. Oh. And he watches Airplane, and he's immediately immensely depressed. Oh. And he sort of comes out going, Caddyshack is shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, compared to that. And it actually fucking destroys him as a person in, the, in this movie. It destroys, he's like, become, he spirals into a massive sort Looks of like alcoholic Airplane depression. is exactly wow. what he should have been making. Because yes. that was what National Lampoon was. Exactly. National Lampoon was astonishingly precise parodies of Life magazine exactly. and things. It looked exactly right. There's a thing I was noticing watching this and imagining a version of it that had Burt Reynolds and uh, and Bill Murray in it. Yeah. And thinking of that and going, what that would look like if I watched it would be like everyone had a brilliant time making it. Mm. Yeah. But I wouldn't necessarily have a brilliant time watching it. Mm. And the thing that's great about Airplane is there's a real feeling of they are doing this for you. They're yeah. not doing it because they're obviously having a blast. Everyone's enjoying mm. themselves. It's not cynical. But they've not put any of that on the screen and expected you to say, I bet it was a hoot when we did all that cocaine and yeah, pissed about. because no. there is something quite joyless about a Cheech and Chong film, for instance, isn't there? <laughs> They're know? having more fun than you are. Yeah. If you're having more fun than the audience, I think you're on the wrong side, aren't you? Did you know the studio wanted Barry Manilow? to play uh, Stryker. What? Yeah, I know. God. Has Barry Manilow ever acted in anything? Not to my knowledge. How would that work? Not very well. <laughs> they would have gone into the disco scene and then not come out. Right. <laughs> For an hour well, and imagine ten. Imagine the problem there as well is that you might have got a situation there where... Because I didn't recognise it. I mean, I didn't know that like Robert Hayes was a comic actor. So he was starring he was in a sitcom, sitcom or something at the time. Think, so, yeah. uh, and things like that, I sort of... I'm slightly disappointed in a way when I hear yeah. that. I'm like, oh, that would that mean that if you were an American, you went to see this, you'd go, oh, it's the bloke from the comedy show. Yeah. yeah. Like, but you might get a situation if it's Barry Manilow, that Barry Manilow was, like, you know, hugely famous and powerful. Yeah. And so what if you'd had a situation where he went, this isn't funny. Yeah. Uh, what if I just do this? What if I, oh. I'll raise an eyebrow here mm. or I'll, I'll go, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I've got the feeling when you watch this that the writers, because they, they said they, after they did Kentucky Fried Movie, mm -hmm. they said the only way to control our work was to direct. So they, this is their first thing. Yeah. Three of them directed it effectively. Apparently one of them did the ordering about and two of them got a monitor and watched it. And I it. bet 80% of their job was just being Taliban about things yeah. and going, no, we can't do it now. It's yeah. got to look like this. It's got to, no, yeah. stop smiling. Don't do a double take. Can you imagine how much, they, they reined Stephen Stucker in. Imagine what he was like <laughs> on the first take. Well, weirdly, he's, a, yeah, because he's allowed to, now I understand he's like on Court a rum gesture. springer or whatever. He's like gone, he's allowed to run around. But it, also, I suppose, no one else reacts to anything he says and does. That's what's so fine. That's, that's the, the other you're, thing. It's that, almost like you're testing them. You're putting a court gesture Only in. now have I realised that, have I unlocked the, they're all seeing Joe 
jokes I hadn't that hadn't landed with me before that I saw for some reason so there's a joke uh, where they're on the beach snogging and she goes oh let's go off down the coast or whatever and he goes oh I can't and he lists this he goes I've, my orders came through we've got to go into I've got to fly over Rio Grande or whatever it is <laughs> and he lists every detail of the mission and then she says like we're going in low so they, they won't expect it and she says when will you be back and he says I can't tell you that it's classified <laughs> <laughs> I only for the first time only understood the joke <laughs> for you some only... reason I'd never noticed I'd been noticing that they were covered in seaweed yes. and yep. thinking about that you only noticed the mirror gag this time round yeah. didn't you oh, the Robert Stack, Robert Stack walks out of the mirror because yeah, there's, there's a guy there's a guy being attacked by a dog behind yes. him it's quite distracting <laughs> they've done a brilliant like contact style mirror reverse yeah really. there's quite a few things as well that I discovered later are based on there are cultural references to things that we wouldn't have known. Yes. Mm. Like the so there's like like Jim never has a cu- second cup of coffee at home. Yeah. So there's a line from an advert. Again, I was slightly disappointed when I heard that. It's like a and apparently she was the woman in the advert oh. that it was. You got used to it as a kid. You'd watch the monkeys and the banana splits and there's top loads gap. of lines. There's like film at eleven and yeah. stuff like that that they were doing. Like um uh there's that point counterpoint. I like yeah, that yeah. They bought their tickets. I say let them crash, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is still. <laughs> Relevant today. That's basically Katie Hopkins. Yeah, yeah. I remember yes. thinking of the line, give me ham on five, hold the mayo. Yeah. When he yes. wants Dr. Ham and he's talking to the Mayo Clinic. I remember thinking, there's something in that line that I don't understand. Isn't but the it? Mayo Clinic, I only sort of, only this time watching it, did I, uh, am I aware that the Mayo Clinic is a real oh, is it? thing? Is it? Right. The Mayo Clinic well, is, there you no, go. the Mayo Clinic is an American sort of health institution. Right. That's why there's Hellman's mayonnaise sort of, <laughs> like there's a whole wall of mayo behind him. It's just a stupid joke. But the oh, Mayo God. Clinic is a real thing. Do you uh, ever think, with this, uh, your favourite joke is one that, actually oh, so you went to a cinema to hear it, but I always mm-hmm. liked, you sort of actually rate some jokes that you go, I bet no one else got that. And when you watch the commentary, they say, well that never got a big laugh, we left right. it in. There's a couple of gags in there. That I really like the one where he's doing the painting of the guy rescuing the baby from the Jeep. Yes! Yeah. So it's being painted from life. And the guy, because the first joke is is that the, the painting like is fucking mad. awful anatomy, like his legs behind <laughs> yeah. his head, and got a contortionist in, so it's a completely accurate representation. That gag, I think, for ages was my favourite joke in it because I, I used to watch it as a kid and go, I bet no one else liked that gag as much as I did. You could sort of own some of the jokes you went there for Americans and some of the jokes you went there for me. Yeah. There were so many jokes you could well, choose your favourites. Also, that's an example of, you see, I think when I saw that joke, I, I reacted slightly, so I thought that it's mad he's got his leg behind his head. But I, I thought it was, the joke was that it's a very disturbing painting. <laughs> if it's, it's like a hilariously disturbing, because he's holding a baby upside down, firing a machine gun in the wreckage of a pla- I thought, well, that's a funny that's a really funny thing for a disturbed pilot yes. to be painting yeah. and then yes yeah, so and then they cut to the guy the <laughs> amazing contortionist <laughs> another moment that I'd forgotten about that is an, again a little just a moment and it's very well observed I think there's, there's a bit when it's coming into land and they do a thing where they go around the world the different global newsrooms you yes. know and they, they show yeah. like somebody going oh a, the plane is it may crash at Chicago airport this boat just handed to me and they cut to a guy in Japan sort of saying it in Japanese and also in the background so in the, on the American one a picture of a plane comes up and the Japanese one a sort of like Japanese painting of a plane <laughs> And then it cuts to like a bloke in like a grass skirt who's meant to be like, I don't know, Polynesian or something like that. 
with like a xylophone type thing yeah. and two wooden sticks that he's going like he's handed the thing and A he's got a sort of like a carving of a plane behind him and also he starts doing it and then it cuts to another camera yeah. and he turns and around he follows and it. delivers it down <laughs> The rest of the of the sort the of more type down that into another camera that's for the brilliant. second sentence <laughs> uh, was just like they didn't have to do that, but that's Perfect. very very funny. Get that finger out of your ear. You don't know where that finger's been. What's what's lucky about airplane as well because it's it's sort of a slightly edgy. The, the jokes are supposed to be the most shocking thing you can say over a movie. Yes. What's amazing is how much of it is dated fine. You'd mm. think we'd have lost more jokes and some of the stuff they no, cut out. True. Luckily, uh, I think probably wouldn't be in there, but. The fact it's got nice paedophile thing. gags and things in it, but they still work. It's not. Mm. It's got quite a good heart to it. I mean, it is. Uh, you slightly go now. You watch it and you slightly go. Yeah. Because, I mean, it was. It's. It's easy to forget that paedophiles were generally regarded as funny yeah, in yeah. 1979. <laughs> that it was like jokes about scoutmasters and flashes sort of vicars and, and yeah. stuff, and it was all a bit. Yeah. Isn't over reading modern sperm magazines? Yes. <laughs> Actually, like, the art department deserves a bit of credit on this as well, don't they? Because, like, you know, the boy lot, reading yeah. nun's life and the nun reading boy's life and all the things like the the cod Spanish on the I know, I haven't lights. noticed that El the first time. Like, put, put on a your seat belt yeah. put, <laughs> I, I like Sit the, down now. Yeah. I like the no shagging sign, the lights. Yes. Like, that's beautifully <laughs> designed. There's no a, smoking, no shagging. It's, it's a great. And, but we, we used to do art department passes on touch of cloth that once mm. you fill the, the film with jokes you can always get the art department to have some fun on top there's a joke at, now here's a joke I definitely very much remember from seeing it as a child in the cinema and thinking this is naughty but also I think that's a brilliant joke and I don't understand why <laughs> and that's the bit where everyone panics there's that shot of everyone panicking and for no reason a topless woman <laughs> runs into the middle of frame and just jiggles her tits around <laughs> And then leaves, or so it's just for no reason. It is like, which should again, you should watch that now and go, oh, that's a bit. Yeah. But weirdly, it's so gratuitous. It becomes a so, joke. it's so fucking stupid. But it's almost a joke about the way that you do a topless scene in those kind of films to make them feel a bit racier. It's almost like saying it's having its cake right. and eating it. I, I don't quite know what the joke. is I remember is doing that gag in Touch of Cloth where there was a scene where Saran was going to get out of bed, yes. and so we replaced her body double. <laughs> that you see, I think that's very because that that, I, that feels like a different joke to me. In that I, I, I think the tits in, I think the tits in air plane is just like for me the joke the, the reason i thought it was funny was i think i just thought it's chaos what they're saying is it's chaos on board it's yeah. chaos 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 even more chaos what's more chaotic a pair of tits for no reason like right in your face and then so yeah in cloth we yes it was i remember that was because we'd noticed this maybe it's worth pointing out that again while we were slavishly trying to ape the airplane formula another thing we did was we taped the real thing and i remember at one point there was a thing where it was we realized it was best not to watch the full episodes yes of things but to go can we have all the crime scene sequences yeah. randomly in, yeah. like together yeah. all the scenes where the you know the detective is is in a pub on his own yeah. or so, all the confession scenes together because then they're devoid of context and they become even you sort yeah. of notice just seem to remember that we'd noticed where, whenever you see a woman waking up in a film <laughs> like that there <laughs> would be often be a gratuitous bum shot yeah. Yeah. sometimes they do it with blokes usually with a, a woman she like wakes yeah. up and you see an ass and often it's a body double as well yeah, like, yeah. Like, yeah. and so yes there was that 
that's one of my favourite shots in the whole of Clough, is that we got <laughs> a guy... Body well, so what's good is that it's a it's a guy whose... His body's not so revolting yes. that it's like, that's the joke. It's just sort of a unglamorous. Bloke. <laughs> just a very average bloke sort of getting... I think you can see a bit of his balls as he bends down to put on the sort of... The pants. And it's a bit... He slightly fudges it as he's getting them on his... But I, think, I, think, I remember writing out and thinking, this is kind of a... I remember thinking at the time, this is kind of a double joke. Yes. Of, it's an airplane going, if you're putting nudity in a, in a thing that's meant to be a comedy, yes. there's almost a way you have to... You're on a bound to either make it so ridiculous that you go, really, what a gratuitous art. I think it's get away with a ball. It's yeah, sort of, yeah. it's definitely because the well the, the and the joke is clear and it's just also it cuts back to it. Yeah. That's the thing. It sort of cuts <laughs> it cuts to Saran's face and then it cuts back to the bloke <laughs> leaving the room like we haven't noticed. It's the worst body double that's ever been employed. The, the person the body double didn't turn up, so they had to sort of get like one the, of the, like one of the caterers. <laughs> They've got this thing where they're borrowing a whole of a film which you can nick stuff from. Mm-hmm. If you go on YouTube, there's a, a side-by-side comparison thing where it plays a bit of Zero Hour and then a bit of, uh, of Airplane. You can right. see how they did it. It's great. I've got Zero Hour on DVD. I'm, it's okay. It's watchable. Right. Um, but then what they also did is they watched every other fucking Airplane film they can do. And as you said, every joke about airports you can do. Mm. One of the reasons they didn't do Airplane 2 they said, let's do a sequel. They call it Airplane 2. And they went, we've used every joke. Mm. It's 30 drafts. They've written They've written every joke you can do about airports. It's done. Airplane 2 I also saw in the same cinema. And I remember being a little disappointed mm. by it. I'm sure I wasn't aware why I was slightly disappointed. But, but it was. It will have been because I didn't really know what it was about. Yeah. It's like a space shuttle all of a sudden. There's some fun, there are some really good jokes. There's a good joke it. with William Shatner and a door. One of my, that's the yes, one that's everyone a, remembers. No, no, no. There's a, another really good joke in it, which... So he's in the sort of, it's like space command type yeah. area, isn't it? And there's a bit where he walks past, there's two guys with a sort of big piece of equipment there with lights all over it. And he goes something like, have you worked it out yet? And they go, no, we don't know what it does. It's just this light. There's <laughs> <laughs> just a light that goes backwards and forwards. And then sometimes this thing goes beep. <laughs> One of Zucker or Abrahams mm. or Zucker said the, of Airplane 2, it's a parody of a thing that doesn't exist. Yeah. There isn't a yes. going into space and it going wrong. So it's top secret. Know. So he yeah. should have yeah. fucking... So, he should but, have, well, it's four things that exist mm. at once. But you stuck yes. it together. Yeah. But I mean, it, again, that's, that's flagging up the thing that maybe they, even they didn't know at the time, that the audience needs to have mm. some very solid hands rails if you're going to be this silly yeah i mean they, they claim they've never seen airplane two. they had nothing to do with it you can tell when you when you go off piste mm. you lose the audience really quickly there's a reason there was no airplane three i mean that you mentioned earlier on about loving sort of the goodies and, and sketch shows and things like that and what's interesting with that kind of joke where everything's up for grabs the monty mm. python you can do anything you like holy grail kind of thing there aren't many films that have successfully done that and this is this is now regarded. I mean, it's critically, it's like 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's mm-hmm. in the AFI's top 500 American movies. It's a classic. And maybe it's just because there aren't many of them. And when you look at the other people who do them, there aren't many of Mel Brooks's you'd put in the top 500 that are mm-hmm. just gag, gag, gag. Mm. Gag, gag, gag films don't tend to be this good or this popular. No, and I, they just got everything right. And I, I haven't, I've never met anyone who doesn't like... Airplane. Even I, <laughs> yeah, I don't think yeah. I've met anyone who doesn't love Airplane. Yeah. Like if you mention Airplane to anyone who's seen it, <laughs> they go, "Oh, that's a brilliant." Like, like you'd watch it if it was on. If you caught ten minutes of it, you sort of have to. Yeah, and you will find you will enjoy something anew yeah. every time. And it's interesting that it 
it's a real crowd pleaser. Like, it, by definition, everyone seems to love it who's seen it. Yet it, it contains such a mixture of gag in it. It's got very clever parodies. It's got ridiculous, like, just all crazy, like, weird watermelons fall, falling from the sky for no reason. It's, it's got some shit hitting a fan. It's got that's shit, good. Oh, literally that's good. human shit being thrown into a fan. And it's got, like, weirdly, you know, almost brass eye levels of sort of, like, eerie, like, the pilot asking, you know, do you ever been in a Turkish prison that's really <laughs> abrasive, that's daring and strange and weird and yet there's lots of stuff that feels like it could be in the two Ronnies. It's sort of, it's four candles yeah. meets the day-to-day. That's basically <laughs> what it is. And so it's, I, I remember being incredibly, finding it incredibly exciting that you could make a film that was that. That was not something that had occurred to me. I'd seen the goodies and I'd seen sort of sketch comedies and things like that and it, it, it never occurred to me that you could make why not make that as a film? Because yeah. films are fucking ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's weird that it doesn't happen very often. Or when it does happen, comedies that have to be really flagged up, don't they? As yeah. as this is a comedy. I don't like it when things have to have comedy in the name. Because the comedy about. But after after this came out, and obviously mm. it was a huge influence on people, because everybody loved it, mm. and it was made again and again. But within a few years, that that form has been debased and demeaned to the point where, if you said to a film fan, "Do you like airplane?" Yes. Do you like scary movie? Mm-hmm. They'd go, "Oh no!" And immediately the thing that it was doing, even Hot Shots, we all said, oh, "I haven't seen that." Mm-hmm. I should do you like Dracula Dead and loving it. Weirdly, yeah. the first one of these that really really hits. And then no one ever does it again as mm-hmm. well. And it still stays there as the original and the one no one's ever managed to hit. The first Naked Gun was like, that was a, I remember that was a big hit. I'm sure I saw that in the same fucking cinema. I, said, I must have been locked in that cinema <laughs> for years. Sounds someone like let him out of the corn exchange. I'm sure I saw yeah. The Naked Gun in the same cinema. And thinking, at the start thinking, great! Because it's got that opening yeah. sequence where the, you know, because I'd seen Police Squad as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the opening sequence with the, with the flashing light going yeah, yeah. through the roller coaster and through a changing room and all. Yeah. Um, all the jokes. It's got lots of jokes. But then the, as the, as the, Naked Gun movies went on it was like diminishing returns as as the gurning went up There's still some good jokes in even the third one, I think. Well, there's good jokes in most of these movies, mm. but the, they don't have... There's something sort of rigorous mm. about Airplane. Yeah. That sort of everyone starts misbehaving afterwards. It's, it's because, they've, as you said, the reaction is, I can't believe you can do this. I can't believe you yeah. can make a film like this. At which point everyone goes, well, you can do anything. Mm. And the thing, of, of course, that they found out is you can't do anything. They did 30 drafts of this script. They used to record audience reactions to it mm-hmm. onto audio and then edit based on... So it's been through a really rigorous really? testing process to say every one of these jokes has been tested. It was like sort of they started writing it in seventy four. It doesn't come out till eighty. It's the best one of these because it's really been tested mm. like a plane. I just want to tell you both, good luck. We're all counting on you. Actually, that does ring a bell, which is that. But this was them talking about a joke that's in Naked Guns. There's that bit where the bad guy falls off a building, like he bounces off a flagpole (laughs) and off an awning, and then he lands on his feet, like unexpectedly (laughs) lands on his feet, and he's fine, and he sort of goes, oh, whoo, and then a lion (laughs) (laughs) from nowhere comes in and mauls him to the ground. Right, And I remember... I remember really laughing like fuck when I saw that and the audience really laughing like fuck. And then years later, I read that when they first, their first test screenings, the joke didn't work. And they couldn't understand why the joke didn't work. And the reason the joke didn't work is they had included a shot 
of the lion jumping before so oh. it had cut to the lion jumping before <laughs> it molded oh. and once they took it out it was brilliant <laughs> so it's precision tool because it comes in slightly inelegantly and like that's partly why it's so unexpected is that it's sort it's of the timing throat. of it is not quite it's it's just someone's thrown a lion at yeah. it. <laughs> it but comes, I suppose what yeah. it's got with the way you describe that, the only place you see jokes like that pulled off as well now, probably the Simpsons is animation. Yeah. Which is running at that airplane gag speed where where you can throw mm-hmm. I'm now thinking of Homer falling down the gorge in that classic thing where yes. oh. I that, hadn't thought of that, but the Simpsons and Airplane are real bedfellows, aren't yeah. they, basically? Mm. Really... But you talk to Simpsons writers, they're all big mad magazine fans, mm-hmm. and maybe it's all to do with saying we want to make comedy that feels as under the covers, thrilling and funny as Mad Magazine was. It's that thing where it flatters you and amuses you at the same time, doesn't it? So it, like the Simpsons, when it does things that are very well observed, the, you sort of feel like it's a private joke that somebody's yeah. making. Like, oh, you've noticed that this is fucking yeah. ridiculous as well, haven't you? And this, it is ridiculous in this way, but I'm not going to make a big song and dance about it. I'm just going to sort of show you an example <laughs> of it that's slightly turned up. And, and the, we all and, agree, yeah. we're all in the club of people who, reg- who regard this as ludicrous. And I mm. suppose what Airplane is as a, as a movie is a, it's a film that says, art film silly. Mm. And that's a joke that you go, oh, that's a bit subversive as a kid. This is a very... Animation style. It's a short early on when that woman is singing to the... When the stewardess starts singing to yeah. the sick girl. Yeah. And there's, like, people... Le- everyone's smiling and leaning in and smiling. Yeah. And then there's, like, a bloke from no reason leans Come. in from the top of the frame <laughs> just so he yeah. could fit in another yeah. smiling person. That you get the joke, yeah. which is this is cloying and it's overdone and it's ridiculous. Without it... I don't know how that would have made sense on paper. Like yeah. trying to describe that joke. That's why they had to direct this film, because trying to describe that joke on paper would be very difficult. Someone yeah. would say, no, we're not yeah. having a guy in a harness. But again, on screen, again, they're, they're treating everyone like cartoon, mm. like bits of animation. They've got total control of the frame. And I suppose that's the reason they don't make many of these films is that, that production method, where a bunch of stupid people who were giggling mm-hmm. got complete control of production and no one said no <laughs> no one said no they got everything right it's straight I think yeah it doesn't happen very often and I don't know I don't know why because <laughs> because it so clearly worked yeah and it seems like there's a lot of fairly simple rules you could follow yeah that you could you could compare what you're I don't know maybe they're just brilliant at doing it I mean there's that maybe that's our conclusion we, we could come to the conclusion the reason Airplane is brilliant is because it is brilliant. Mm. Even the bits that I didn't realise were brilliant are brilliant. Everyone is doing the right thing in it. Yes. They've made all the right decisions. And they're obs- I think it's to do with an obviously obsessive and innate attention to detail. Yeah. Because yeah. it's like this isn't right until this is just so. And yeah. I think, I suspect that's at the root of it. Because the thing no one ever wants to say about comedy is it's not splashy, it's precise, it's boring. Yeah. Like it's ne- like it's pedantic. Often it's like really pedantic for a reason that you can't quite articulate. It's like you have to sit there. It's, uh, Chris does this a lot in Brass Eye, doesn't it? Like where the edits are so the sound effect or the way it cuts from you know the the degree of sarcasm that's being exhibited in the edit is so precise yeah. that it would be you could not write that down you can't sort of teach it to someone and so, someone you, you it has to be something that an obsessive person has sat there <laughs> and isn't happy and cannot leave until it's sort of just so which in a way should be awful <laughs> sounds awful doesn't it? it sounds terrible comedy is hell it's just yeah you've got to i suppose the hardest thing why i imagine maybe that's why this is rare is to hold 
concentration and discipline mm. for something which at any moment you're going to go, hang on, I've just edited a thing where some shit went into a fan. What am I doing with my life? I should stop. I should go and make The Godfather. It's very rare for that mm. level of precision to be applied to something which is throwaway and stupid and it, just meant to make you laugh. It does slightly, rem- it slightly reminds me because I think a lot of the time, a lot of my job is about being a fucking pedantic, boring prick, basically. <laughs> and so a lot of the time, so it's on the wipe shows a lot of the time in the edit. It's to do with, no, it's got to, well, hang on, no, another couple of frames. It's like literally like, like, and then on something like Black Mirror, often with the design of things, you're constantly saying you can't, no, we can't, it can't do that. No, the computer, we've got to take that noise off because that computer wouldn't make that noise. Because when you have a computer, it doesn't go beep, boom, boom, bing, bing, no. or yeah. it drive you fucking crazy. So you're like constantly being a killjoy in many ways. You're constantly <laughs> sort of going, that's very interesting that you've designed this operating system for where everything spins around. But I, it's, it, it makes it look unreal on some level. So let's make it really boring. <laughs> and then, and, the, and I think with a lot of the time, it's knowing when, they know when to do that in this. They yeah. know when to and they know when to not do it that's the weird thing they know when to go fucking ridiculous they get away with like the joke where she's sort of giving the autopilot a blow job yeah, yeah. they sort of get away with because it's fucking stupid yeah but really if it was all that it would be unwatchable yes that's mm. a glimpse of how bad and they've get earned you... how they've earned a bad moment in a way by being brilliant everywhere else. oh yeah i mean yeah. like the 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 first leslie nielsen's first entry excuse me stewardess i think the man next to me is a doctor and he's sitting there asleep with a stethoscope yes. in his ears <laughs> and you go do you know what we'd all reach for that gag but they've really earned it by yeah then. yeah you get all of them because it's you know you're in a safe pair of hands mm. it is Oddly, in a disaster movie, you know someone is in control, and it's these guys because they've been rigorous. Mm. You know the film's not going to crash, so you let them do sort of bad taste jokes or jokes that are cheesy, things that would be in the two Ronnies, basically. Mm. You let them do all these registers, so at the end of it, you end up with a smorgasbord of comedy with all available flavours. It's a buffet Mm. where everything's there. So, of course, it ends up in the AFI Top 500 because if you're going to see a comedy film, it's a definitive comedy film. It Mm. shows you all the colours and tones you can do in a comedy. Yeah, it's a fucking good workout, isn't it? It's basically a sort of... I'd be quite happy if all other comedy films were deleted. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'd be be quite relaxed about (laughs) That's decided. We're wiping everything else. Mm. Um, That's a great point to finish. If we're going to delete all other comedy and only have Airplane, and you get the Bible and Shakespeare and that's it. Robocop's just been deleted under those rules. That's okay. It counts as sci-fi. Thank you for bringing Airplane. Thank Charlie. Thanks, Charlie. Cheers. I tell you both, good luck, we're all counting on you.